Thank you for joining us for another episode of CryptoCurrent. Just one quick reminder. CryptoCurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the CryptoCurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other CryptoCurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. For Cryptocurrent, my name is Stephen Miller, and you're watching Cryptocurrent Live, the show where we bring you the latest and greatest in the world of crypto every Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Corneros. Chris, how we doing? Doing great, Steve. How are you? Beautiful day in crypto land. Love starting to see a little bit of market stabilization after a very bloody last couple of days. Um, but we're going to get into that a little bit more later. If this is your first time joining us, do me a favor. I've got one or two things I'd like for you to do right now. Number one, make sure you're subscribed so that you can get notifications for every single time we go live here or when we drop new content on Mondays, Fridays, and Wednesdays in the morning, brand new interviews and basic segments with Chris. That's the segment that we get on Wednesdays. And then also, if you are wanting to just listen to this show, we always recast this content via all of the podcast platforms that you prefer. So please go check out CryptoCurrent on your favorite podcast platform and stream our content. We got a big show ahead, lot to talk about. So Chris, I want to go ahead and just start off with the very obvious. How is your portfolio doing? Because we've been bludgeoned to death across the last like two days. Well, Steve, I'm glad you asked that because my portfolio is actually doing well. Is that on the back of just helium or what? No, you know, got a little time, got a little of you know, Tezos got a little bit of helium, but uh, it's more so it's doing well compared to everything else right now. It's all still down, but... Oh, yeah. No, I think that's absolutely the right way to say it. It's compared to, comparatively to everything else that looks dead. Um, yeah, so if you're just joining the industry, <laughs> um, we saw about $200 billion just bleed out of the market out of pretty much nowhere, as some might say, but the reality is, is it wasn't bled out of nowhere. There was a lot of factors that were influencing it um, which we're going to get into <clears throat> in just a minute here. Um, but as you probably saw on our um, banner as you were joining the show, we're talking about the crypto crash today and whether or not it's time to buy said dip. Um, we are always big fans around here of buying the dip, but before we ever buy the dip, we have to determine whether we're going to buy, sell, or hodl our segment for the news. Buy, buy sell, sell, or hodl. So whether you're new around here or this is your um, 15th time watching us go live, we do Buy, Sell, or Hoddle as our news segment every single Tuesday and Thursday to start out the show. We talk about what's been happening, what's going on, what do you need to know about, and why do you need to know about it. So there was a big report that came out 
about two or three days ago from Electric Capital. And their managing partner basically said that development trends are going to be the key indicator for future growth in a lot of these ecosystem projects. And they then shared some data on what they believe are the top like growing projects within specifically Web3 ecosystems. So this report was pretty like it was pretty in-depth when it came to looking at development teams. So as of right now, there are 8,000 more developers taking part in crypto GitHub than one year ago today. So they had 10,000, they're now at 18,000 total developers working on crypto ecosystems. Now, Chris, I want to kind of start with you here and like talking about how this whole thing breaks down because there's some really interesting data involved and not to bore our listeners to death with said data. We need to understand what is valid in it and what isn't because the, a lot of the media right now is making this into a massive deal and it should be, but it's not getting attention for the right reasons. So why don't you talk to me a little bit about dev team growth? Yeah, so, you know, dev team growth, essentially what this metric was looking at, this is from a Forbes article, for those who don't know, um, we'll make, we'll get that link published when we, you know, repost the segment later on, we'll make sure that that's included in there if you want to go and read it. But essentially what this article and this metric was looking at was a percentage increase in uh, full-time and part-time developers from, or I believe it was just full-time developers from December 2020 compared to December 2021. So number one, Terra Luna, that had, I think, like a 303% increase year over year. They're now at 33 full-time developers. As let's, not, let's, not, let's go ahead and actually not go for memory. How about we show a chart? <laughs> oh, 313%, sorry. Um, but yeah, so you, as you can see, Terra Luna, 313%, they're now at 33 developers. Number two, you know, percentage increase is going to be Solana at 307%. They now have 228 developers. So I hope that just from these first two, you can kind of see how there is a bit of a disconnect here because yes, why it's, while it's great that Terra Luna's percentage increase was the greatest, the reality is, is that they are still basically playing with fractions, whereas a lot of these other bigger projects are playing with whole numbers and integers. Yeah, I mean, realistic, realistically, yeah. it's skewed, right? You you immediately have to follow that chart and say, wow, look at what Terra is doing. And without re like taking the time to recognize that they're a much smaller team than you know Solana, Near Protocol, Kusama, just to name three, like that on its own is pretty incredible, but I'll even go one step further. This is accounting for like a big part of the ecosystem, but there's two that are not in this list that I know were massive. You have Cosmos and Polkadot, which is, by the way, the sister chain to Kusama. So I don't necessarily even believe the Kusama figure that they're sharing right here, but it's important to get that through your head that like, okay, some of these statistics can definitely be skewed in the wrong direction. Um, and for that, we also have a second graphic that was basically shared by the same group when it came to dev team size. So they said, according to dev team size, the trend looks like this. You have the top team out there right now is Ethereum, followed by Polkadot, then Cosmos, Solana, and then Bitcoin. But what's interesting is you actually have a ton of collaboration going on between Kusama and Polkadot. Their teams are constantly working together. So to me, I see that almost as like an aggregate. You have to trust it as an aggregate 
but there's also going to be some people that are crossing between the two teams. So whether they are a full-time developer for Polkadot or not, or they're a full-time developer for Kusama or not, they could be working on both projects. So there are some things that can be misleading here. The one thing that I definitely want to pay attention to here is like, as we're looking toward what to buy on this dip, Chris, I can't help but feel like, holy crap, Binance Smart Chain is a terrible investment right now. It's overinflated price, and their team is so small. Binance is, yeah, do, do not invest in Binance right now for the main reason being that it was overpriced significantly in the bull market, and it's definitely dipped since then but it yeah. still hasn't dipped enough where it makes sense at that price, right? And I'm saying it's just its value makes sense, let alone buying it at that value, right? It's incredibly inflated, so be careful. Not financial advice, but, you know, do your own research and be careful. Um, one thing I do want to kind of go back to on that growth chart, we were talking about how it's skewed, which it is, but I kind of, I did a lot of thinking and I think it's actually still a good indicator of growth when you look at these percentage uh, increase in growth, right? Because if Terra had made so much progress last year with you know, 10, 11 developers, now they're going to have triple that. So this is a great thing for them and a great thing for the future of Terra's platform, ecosystem, and value, right? But the disconnect here, and I think the issue with how this is skewed is that it makes it seem like oh my God, Terra has the highest you know, percent increase in full-time developers. And more than anything else, that means it's going to be you know, the next Bitcoin. And that's one thing I do want to clear up. This full-time growth is all relative, right? This is going to absolutely make Terra a much better ecosystem and platform and project. But that's relative to the growth that we've already seen from other projects. And I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, and you bring up a really good point there too, because like, you see where in the market cap rankings some of these projects shake out, right? You've got Avalanche very close to the top, Solana very close to the top, Terra bumping up against the top 10 right now. Perspective is everything, right? If you recognize, wow, these projects are already up there and they only have this many full-time developers, that's pretty incredible. Now, the the other thing that they're not totally accounting for here is the decentralization factor, right? Solana, totally centralized. Terra, totally decentralized. So the team behind Solana and Alameda Research are likely funding the entire full-time team that was hired to work on Solana. Whereas Terra, you may have a bunch of developers that are working on it part-time or full-time, but they're not tracking as full-time paid developers by the project because it's a decentralized project. They're developing it worldwide. Um, Just a really interesting perspective to take in there for a sec. But let's go ahead and um, fly forward for a minute here because one of the things that I think about when I'm talking about the fastest growing ecosystems, I immediately go back to a site that I brought up probably back in May when we were doing our first clubhouses, and that is Crypto Miso. And Crypto Miso basically tracks your GitHub commits. Now, we're about to share another um, GitHub commit measurement for these different ecosystems on how they're performing based on the work that's actually being done, because that's what a GitHub commit is. It's tracking the work that's actually being done. Um, Chris, I need you to go ahead and explain the difference between these two before we actually share our graphic. Yeah. The graphic is quite impressive to understand things, but 
Talk to me a little bit about the difference between what crypto potato is tracking versus what crypto miso is tracking. Yeah. So generally speaking, the way GitHub works is it's an open source kind of repository, right? Like you have honestly dozens, if not, you know, hundreds or even thousands of projects in the world, you know, could be anything ranging from gaming to, you know, analytics to data related to blockchain, right? Everything. GitHub is essentially a pseudo central location for developers to host their work, collaborate, and even is an opportunity for new people to get in, work on a project, and then put a commit in. What a commit is, is essentially, you know, like you write a first draft of an essay, and then you work on your second draft, that second draft would be a new commit. It's just an update to the previous work. Now, the difference between the commits tracked by Crypto Miso and Crypto Potato are essentially Crypto Miso was just looking at the, you know, total commits per each crypto project on GitHub, whereas Crypto Potato is looking at the average number of commits per month on the blockchain. And the key difference there, right, isn't even that it's average per month versus total in the year. It's actually that one is on GitHub and one is looking at at on-the-chain data because looking at it on GitHub is essentially still only a draft. You could have a full-fledged application on GitHub, but unless you publish it, actually put it out there, it really isn't doing anything. Whereas Crypto Potato is looking at the on-the-chain commits. And what that means is this update has gone out and is now being used. And that's the difference here. So when we're talking about Crypto Miso, just think, all right, this is work that will be coming soon. When we talk about Crypto Potato, these are projects where their work is done and it is already out there for the world to see. And there is like a little bit of overlap there, right? Because Oftentimes we say, buy the rumor, sell the news. In the case of GitHub commits from Crypto Miso, you can see that as the rumor and you can see GitHub commits from Crypto Potato as the news. So there is that concept, but at the same time, I also personally believe that Crypto Potato's metrics are talking about what is right now like on the precipice of being deployed because it actually has to go through testing environments before it ever hits main production going on, on the main net. So there are some questionable things there, but let's look at what Crypto Miso actually visualizes. So the, this is the crypto commits volume across that year. So you saw Trust Wallet token having the highest number of commits, followed by Solana, Avalanche, Cardstack, and Chainlink. But like, it almost seems suspect to me that you don't have more of the larger players tracked in here. And I think that's probably because they're centralized. Uh, but there are some things that are a little bit hokey. The thing that is interesting to me is that you still have a very good picture of 333 different cryptocurrencies, which ones are performing at the highest end, and that's these top 10. Yeah, and the, the other thing to take into account on this graph is looking basically that tagline that says it's GitHub commit history of 333 cryptocurrencies based on the most popular repo. So what that means is it's looking at essentially the repository for the code, I believe. And Trust Wallet token obviously is doing the best. But, you know, reading between the lines, reading beyond what you see, what they don't say is that could be Trust Wallet token's only repository, whereas Solana could have 50, and this is just the most popular there. And totally. to me, that's 
it's interesting and it's something that unless you really dig in to learn, you won't be able to find out. But it's something to take kind of with a, basically what I'm saying is just take this information with a grain of salt because we're going off an article that's clearly trying to answer a single question in the most simple way rather than going full in and writing, you know, a 30-page paper breaking down the difference between all of them. Yeah, and I think that goes to also say that, like, when you look at that list, it's important to understand that, like, there's no overlap whatsoever when you look at the top five um, by GitHub commit through Crypto Potatoes measurement. No overlap whatsoever. But when we're looking at this at the end of the day, Chris, my final question on this to you, because I want to move on to the rest of our news, what really is the best measurement for year over year growth here? Like, is it any of these? Is it a combination of these? What do you think? Because again, you're the data guy. You work in data science on a day-to-day basis. I personally, I hated the dev team growth when I first saw it. But thinking back to it now, that is probably at least part of the best metric. Reason being that looking at commits, commits could be anything from you know, building out new features to actually just bug fixes. So if you're looking at a GitHub commit or an on-the-chain commit, it could, you know, some project could have thousands more commits, but the reason is because whenever their new upgrades or updates go live, they then have thousands of bugs that they need to patch on the back end. So I think dev team growth as a percentage is definitely important, but I also think actually that the on-the-chain commits are important. I think it's a combination of both. Main yeah, reason I, being, you you just you need to see the on-chain data. If it doesn't get there, you could do all the work in the world, but if it's not actually on-chain, does it really matter at the end of the day? Correct. Nothing matters unless it's get, eventually getting deployed. Yeah. Um, the way that I look at it, because I happen to agree, I think it's about finding the middle ground. I think that when you're talking about what you were just saying with dev team growth, you have to then start looking at, okay, where is the overlap based on the progress that they're making? Because your commits are measuring the progress. And the one that really does stand out to me and will continue to stand out to me is Avalanche because you're only seeing overlap there and with um, Solana as well, to be fair. Mm-hmm. So given that, I can personally already see into 2022 and beyond that both Solana and Avalanche have verifiable on-chain proof of their work and of their continued pursuit to grow beyond just marketing, right? Because Solana's got the biggest freaking marketing budget in the world. Do you want to know why those two chains will probably beat out Ethereum in terms of developers? Why is that? Because Ethereum uses Solidity and Solana and Avalanche, I think, are transitioning to use Rust, which is the most, or depending on who you ask, it's either the most or second most popular language in the world, basically fighting with Java. So they're going to basically, by making that switch, will then have access to millions more developers that will see the massive budget, for example, of Solana and be like, huh, I could work at, you know, whatever company doing a thankless job, or I could go work on Solana and make bank and everyone will love me. So yeah, I think it's gonna be really interesting. I'm not, I'm still not sold on Solana. I really am not. But at the end of the day here, I think that you have to continue to press yourself, you have to continue to learn. And that's what we're all about here at Cryptocurrent is continuing to push the envelope and learning at a different level and looking at things a little bit differently than the rest of the channels out here on YouTube will be, you know, showing you information and educating you on whether it's news, TA, or even on-chain analytics. We like to focus on the fundamental, but this actually breaks down some data that we really wanted to share with you. 
Um, before we go much further, there was some breaking news I did want to share. Breaking news. So a couple pieces just came across the wire, um, first of which is another metric um, from on-chain data saying that 76% of the total circulating Bitcoin supply is now officially illiquid, meaning that 76% of all the Bitcoin out there is now resting in wallets that have no history of spending. That to me is very interesting. But just after that came out, you also had um, a statement issued, I believe it was during a uh, press conference um, with Kevin O'Leary, um, who is Mr. Wonderful if you watch Shark Tank, basically making the public statement that he believes that NFTs will become bigger than Bitcoin, very bullish stance. And then of course, not to you know, miss a news cycle, um, out of China, WeChat has shared that they will be um, officially accepting the digital yuan, which is the Chinese government's official CBDC. So very interesting stuff happening out there in the world. We may cover some of that on our Tuesday edition. If you want more info on any one of those stories, please do me a favor, hit us in the comments, let us know, or of course, get at us on Twitter um, and tell us what you want to hear about in our news segment on Tuesday. But let's carry forward because there were a couple other top stories that we had planned to talk about. Um, the first of which is news from OpenSea, who just yesterday secured a $13 billion valuation following a $300 million Series C capital raise. Um, very big story there. The thing that frustrates me about it is the fact that OpenSea has continued to completely neglect their customers and are just selling this fundraising, you know, different round on their past performance. They're not accounting for any customer sentiment. And if the VCs really cared about that, which they should, there's no way they'd be getting this funding right now. And frankly, it's going to damage those VCs in a crazy way as soon as Coinbase NFT drops because they're going to command the market and they're going to rip everything out from under OpenSea. I'd be watching out for that very closely. And that just to me says the NFT market is just getting started. It may look hot right now, but it's going to get hotter. Um, Chris, there's another piece out from Goldman Sachs saying that there's a good chance that Bitcoin hits 100K in 2022, but it's specifically hitting at the fact that it's going to accomplish that by stealing market share from gold. Do you have any thoughts on that? Hey, I, I love it. And this is, I, I would say that a lot of anyone who's in the finance industry that's listening to this, let me rephrase this. Anyone in finance is going to know that analysts are probably one of the most underappreciated roles in finance. But this is exactly why you pay to have good analysts, right? Because first off, let me just clear the air here. This is public coming out of Goldman Sachs, but if you don't think their analysts had told their superiors six plus months ago because they've probably known that long, you're crazy. So and they've been me, trading on that knowledge. Oh, yeah. So to me, what this is actually like the silver lining here is that this is Goldman Sachs admitting that they are probably sitting on a stupid amount of Bitcoin. But more so than that, these are analysts who are spending all day long looking at all these different markets, whether they're commodities, stocks, crypto, and they're coming out with confidence, right? Goldman Sachs isn't putting this out in the world if they're not confident in this. They're confident that Bitcoin is probably going to surpass gold and replace it eventually as a store of value and a reserve currency. Whether it's a global reserve or just a digital reserve remains to be seen, but 
that potential is there. And to me, that's the bigger news. Yeah, I think that's the hidden news in this. It's the narrative that's being concealed. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want any of our viewers, any of our audience members, wherever you're watching this or gathering this information, um, to get it twisted. This is not going to happen in the short term. Bitcoin is not going to overtake the market cap of gold this year. But it can ship into it. So they're going to continue to chip away at it. And regardless of how you view it, Peter Schiff is currently rolling around in his crypt, hurting over this one. Um, but let's move on to the last two pieces here. You had Airbnb's CEO officially making a statement saying that they are right now working on enabling crypto and digital currency payments within Airbnb's app. That's going to be huge. The fact that you can officially pay for your Airbnb stays with the digital currency of your choice, that's coming. That is going to be massive for on-chain volume. Final piece, we just mentioned Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful. Well, his official business within the crypto space that focuses on DeFi called WonderFi, just, I believe, yesterday or the day before, purchased Canadian trading platform BitBuy for 160 mil. Now, this is a big piece of news. Like, don't just push it under the, the rug because it's a Canadian trading platform. Give it the respect it deserves. I believe it's the biggest trading platform in Canada. It is. And that's exactly why I want to point it out. Most people underestimate all of the tech growth that's going on in Canada. You can't. Because frankly, they're very, very progressive and they want to have a big stake in the crypto world. So what Kevin O'Leary is doing here is they're trying to build in an exchange trading platform into WonderFi, which is trying to have a bigger role in DeFi. DeFi 2.0 is coming. This is just the first indicator of it. Be ready. Don't invest too early. <laughs> but understand that there is a high probability that we're going to see DeFi 2.0 run here on the back of some of these pieces of news as, as they develop. But look, that's going to be a buy-seller hodl for us this week. We went a little bit long. Normally, we try to get through our buy-seller hodl news segments pretty quickly so we can move into the real meat and potatoes of our show. But if you liked what we covered, let us know by hitting that like button or get at us in the chat. We'd be happy to take some of your questions throughout the show. Um, but we have a big segment that we do here every Thursday where we talk about the biggest thing happening in crypto. And that is, of course, called the Aftershock. The Aftershock. So every week on Thursdays, we bring you the aftershock, the biggest story that's rocking the crypto world. And there is no story bigger this week than the current ongoing turmoil in the market. Okay, what do I mean? Well, I said at the top of the show, $200 billion just eviscerated from the market. My question for you today, before we get into whether or not it's time to buy the dip on this current um, downward spiral, is who do we have to blame, right? And there are three narratives that have currently formed that I think you can kind of attribute some of the blame to. But the one thing has one thing has really risen to the top that is true to me, Chris, and that's that China has nothing to do with it this time, right? There is no news out of China that would specifically be a FUD story to knock the market on its ass. Uh, but let's work through three of these cases, and you can tell me what you think. The very first piece, of course came out that Fed chairman and local bridge troll Jerome Powell reaffirmed that he is going to be sticking true to hiking interest rates in the upcoming year three times, as he said last year. Why would this matter? Well, pretty simple. It doesn't. This doesn't matter at all. 
it's literally this man coming out from under his bridge to say, I really mean it, guys. That's it. But people are overreacting to this on Wall Street because that's how Wall Street typically responds to any announcement from the Fed. And because that's pulling down the overall market, it is going to have some amount of impact on crypto. Chris, is there anything that we're missing here? And to what degree do we actually need to blame Jerome Powell? It's not on him. The irony behind this is that the, you know, the stock market actually liked when he came out the first time and said they're going to be doing rate hikes this year. So them freaking out right now is honestly beyond me. I mean, he, he said it. He was clearly going to do it. He's not the kind of person, at least that I can see, that's going to come out and say something if he's not going to do it. So yeah. I, I don't think there's anything here. And yeah, re realistically, things like that won't affect crypto for the most part unless it's crypto-related and it's outright crypto-related, which they would come out and say. Yeah, so look, Jerome Powell, back under the bridge with you. Let's move on to the next story. The energy crisis in Kazakhstan. So for those that don't know, um, the home of Borat actually did have some pretty significant news go on in the last couple of days. And that was specifically that their government hiked the rates on not just regular gasoline, but all fuel and energy sources. This led to them having their entire government resign. And the entire country kind of fell into chaos, as you can see by this government building burning to the ground. This was a legitimate on-the-ground picture in Kazakhstan across the last two days. Not think, made up, very I real. I think that picture is like the equivalent of their parliament. Like, I think that's one of their yeah. primary yes. government offices. Yeah. So absolutely devastating for the nation of Kazakhstan. I'm not trying to make light of this tragedy at all. I'd like to just have a little bit of fun with you guys here because that's who I am. But why did this originally creep up? Well, the reason that we need to bring this to your attention is because energy across the world is still tied to the Bitcoin narrative of Bitcoin is bad for the environment. You have to be aware of the fact that this is constantly going to be thrown in, thrown in, your, in front of your face. Why does it matter this time? Well, when China kicked all of the Bitcoin miners out of China earlier last year, most of them went to Kazakhstan. So all of those miners are now actually pulling from the energy grid there and actually are causing some impact. But that's because most of those miners that left China were not mining in any type of green or renewable way. That is the problem. You look around the world at many of these other nations that are mining Bitcoin. Most of them are using green practices. So China is continuing to have a negative wrap on the Bitcoin energy and environment, environmental, excuse me, narrative. But Chris, with what you've understood about this, does this actually have something to blame regarding the downward turn in the market? Again, it really shouldn't because, you know, the, the reality of it is, is, if anything, right, this is the way I would think about it, right? It would make more sense for the price of Bitcoin to actually go up if you have an energy crisis in, you know, a predominant Bitcoin mining country because it means the creation of new coins will be slower. Therefore, that should increase, in theory, the value of the coins currently in circulation. So that's okay. why I don't really think there's a connection there, but I could be wrong. So here's the reason why I think it actually does have something to do with why the overall market cap within crypto fell. As soon as they toppled the government, 
and all of the government resigned, with the exception of the president. Second that the country went into disarray, the military actually shut off the internet. So the internet in that country is completely off at this stage of the game. They're using like only satellite means to get out. And when they did that, all of the hash power that is currently located in Kazakhstan fell off. So you're talking about a 12, you're talking about a 12% retracement in the hash rate. That is substantial. So yeah. I'm not saying that it's the only cause, but it's important to understand that hash rate does play a big factor here. So let's move on to the final piece of what could be at play here. Of course, everybody on the planet, and we cannot say the name of the actual virus, but let's call it Omicron because that's what Richard calls it. Um, <laughs> the markets are reacting to the fact that there could be more lockdowns coming, right? That's terrifying to a lot of people. To others that have common sense, they realize this is not as um, fatal or like it doesn't have as high of a mortality rate than all the other um, variants that are out there right now, but it is still highly infectious, right? Still should be taking it seriously, still should be, you know, staying safe. But I think the markets are actually compensating for this for a bit, right? They reacted when we went into first stage lockdowns, like big time. Right, We saw a true black swan dive in the middle part of the first half of 2020. And you can see that in the Bitcoin chart. It just falls off a cliff. I think that we're seeing part of that take place right now. And I'm not saying it's going to be to that degree. I think that we've currently found support. But we could still have a little bit of a ways to go before we're actually out of the woods on this one once people can settle themselves down. Chris, do you think that narrative is at play? Again, I just don't know. And that's the that's the reality. Because the way I would think of it, it shouldn't affect it. But at the end of the day, you know, even if a few people all think that, it really doesn't matter. What matters at the end of the day is what the majority of the people in the space feel, because that's really going to sway and change the market as a whole. And I could see, honestly, a lot, you know, maybe not a majority, but a sizable enough amount of the community and the industry, right? The investors, I could see them freaking out about this because, and we know this from looking at the demographics of not only investors, but developers, uh, business members, etc. that typically it's a younger crowd in crypto. And a lot of the investors are retail traders or wannabe day traders. So they are going to freak out whenever there is news of any kind. Unless they're degenerate, then they'll just tweet out by the dip. Yep. And so... By the way, speaking of which, that should put a bow on like the reality here is that you can point the finger at whoever you want, but there's no sense being an alarmist. This is not the market, the market falling off of a cliff. This is not the end of the bull. We are still here. We're going to continue to educate on crypto and help you understand this market better. And there is no way better than helping to help you understand, is it in fact time to buy this dip? And in our opinion here, we collectively believe that yes, it is absolutely time to buy the dip. So we're going to take you through six different categories and we're going to work through which projects stand out right now that you should potentially have on your shopping list as you're looking to buy the dip right now. Now you can see on the left, if you're you know, joining us on YouTube, we have this joke shopping list up. There is some seriousness to it, but don't put a ton of merit in it. We're going to go through and we're going to break this down a little bit. Um, especially because you can't buy world peace. 
as we've continued to prove in society. <laughs> so let's talk about the first one, Chris. Um, the first category that we wanted to dive into is smart contract platforms. And these are the top smart contract platforms according to CoinGecko. So please understand that we're tracking their um, top platforms based on overall market cap contribution right now. That currently is headed by Ethereum, followed by Binance Coin, Solana, Cardano, Polkadot, Terra Luna, Avalanche, Polygon, Chainlink, which is not a smart contract platform, Algorand, Near Protocol, and Phantom. Chris, off of what you're seeing here right now, is there any that really do stand out as they took a massive hit, maybe they're currently at the bottom of their, tr their trend channel, and they're also you know, stacking up good fundamentals, meaning they may be a good buy for the rest of this year. What do you see? I mean, first and foremost is Chainlink, but the interesting thing about Chainlink compared to the rest of these is its price actually has not really changed at all in the last six months. It's been hovering around $25 the whole time. I personally think that's undervalued. So even though it hasn't necessarily dipped, I feel like it should be worth more at this point in time. That being said, Cardano has only hit, let's see, 6%, 7% dip in the last week, but it's actually less than half of what it was at its peak a few months ago. So if you love Cardano, this is a sign and a great time to get in and buy the dip. One thing I do want to point out, though, is I also don't think this dip is stopping here. I think it's going to keep dipping. That being said, because we are already in a dip, these are still great times to buy all of these coins. That being said, don't freak out when you buy them and then it dips more. Just know that the dip will probably continue from here. What I'll add to that is when you look at buying the dip, you should be considering what Chris is saying. Okay. I would split up the exact amount of money that you have to invest right now into three separate tranches, go 30%, 30%, 30%. And right now, put in 30% to whichever projects you decide are your buy-the-dip candidates. Then, if it does dip lower, you have the opportunity to add another 30% into that investment so that your dollar cost averaging down. Finally, you have another 30%, set a target, invest there. If it doesn't make it there and then we bounce, great. Reinvest at the point where you actually entered. Very valuable strategy for investing in crypto and anything else in the world. But to me, Chris, there are two, two or three on here that immediately catch my attention. Number one, a sub $100 Avalanche is extremely valuable to me. I personally believe that Avalanche is going to be a top five coin by the end of this cycle. That is a really, really bullish stance. I understand that. A lot of people would say that. But I think that based on what we're seeing between the cross-up of what we talked about at the top of the show, with the number of developers that are flocking to Avalanche crossed up with the actual work that's being done behind the scenes, that is a really powerful fundamental value. The fact that they've pulled back under $100 shows to me that they're going to be tapping the bottom of their trend line and likely going back up soon. Another one that operates in tandem with Avalanche sometimes but has not yet really had its moment is Phantom. Now, I'm no expert on Phantom. I just really like their protocol. I think that they have really stellar fundamentals behind the scene. They're doing things a little bit differently than other smart contract platforms. But I will go to say that this list is not comprehensive. 
CoinGecko does a really bad job of compiling these categories. Um, for example, you see Polkadot at number nine. Why in the world is Cosmos not listed on here? Right? Like, that seems like such a neglectful, like, like you need to have that project on here, okay? It is a smart contract platform. It is an interoperability play. And to me, if I can get into Cosmos at a $23 entry point right now, I'm pulling the trigger on that all day. All day long. Okay? Oh, yeah. It's been on an absolute tear, and it's only going to get higher. Okay? A lot of these platforms have a lot to go from here. Um, and again, I stand by the fact that Chainlink doesn't belong on this list. Chainlink is an oracle. Oh, yeah, they, absolutely they, not. They feed data. But if we're talking about the overall category, which we on this channel of cryptocurrency, we believe that smart contract platforms are going to continue to be one of the core narratives this cycle, it's important to remember them. I also really like Polygonmatic at that price. Granted, Polygon had a really, really massive issue across the last two weeks when a big game deployed on their um, network and it completely took it down. That being said, because that's what we love saying on this channel, apparently, Chris, I've noticed that we've said that being said that about being 500 said. times. <laughs> um, we're going to put that on the shirt for sure. Um, Polygon is a layer two solution on the Ethereum network that specifically deploys on ZK rollups. That is a scaling solution that is the most effective, the most efficient, and will continue to be the precedent setter in the space. Down 7.9% from you know, the last week is just the tip of the iceberg, okay? This project is going very far. There's another one that's not on this list that I would absolutely be looking at. That's Immutable X, a scaling system and smart contract platform that's been developed specifically for NFTs and crypto gaming. We, we both believe that NFTs and crypto gaming are going to be a narrative throughout this year. It's going to be inescapable. Some of it's going to be bullshit. Some of it's going to be real. But Immutable X is going to be the platform that a lot of this stuff is built on. I'd be looking at that if you're willing to, you know, take a little bit more of a risk-averse look at things, because I believe its market cap is down below um, the top 125 now. So let's go ahead and move this thing forward, and let's look at a new category, and that's DeFi. Chris, I know that you're probably a little bit more bullish on DeFi than I am, so I want to let you take it from here and talk about what looks like a good opportunity within DeFi. It's tough, right, because a lot of the DeFi that... I would be most interested in actually aren't even on this list. And that's because who knows, right? Like you were saying, CoinGecko does not get this right. But first and foremost, I'm looking at SushiSwap. I mean, that's one of the, you know, biggest DeFi platforms in the world right now that works and that people are actively using. I'm sorry, so quick, quick clarifier for you guys here. This is not based on market value, market cap. Oh, uh, this, yeah. is, this, this is... 100% based on total value locked in the network. Just really need to make sure that's out there because you don't want to get that twisted. ThorChain is not trading at the 18th position in terms of market cap. Just make sure you have that perspective. It's a different way of charting. So this is based on total value locked in the network. Sorry, Chris, continue with what you were saying. Um, sushi, love it. It's great. And for it to be down 17% over the last seven days is honestly kind of criminal for how often and how, you know, just the volume that it deal that platform deals with on a daily basis. It is used and people like using it. That is a great buy. Sushi is a great token to have. And in that same vein, spell token is another great one to have. And that's also down 17% in the last week. 
And that's more just kind of what I'm looking for, right? When you see these crazy dips over a seven-day period, that's usually a pretty good sign that, ah, you know what, I should look into this more and understand its applications because if it's down that much, there's a chance that it will automatically rebound that much. And that's kind of my thought process when I'm looking at coins. I'm not going to ape in. I will do my own research, but a big flag for me are major dips across a seven-day period with minor dips in the short term because that shows you that you know something happened. It's down big, but if it's going slowly in a more recent time frame, that's a good indicator that things have probably calmed down and maybe we'll start to see some positive growth. But who knows? This is crypto and a lot of it is a roulette wheel. Yeah, a lot of it's speculation, guys. So um, speaking of speculation, if you like hearing coin calls, we do our coin calls here every single Tuesday during our blockchain bet segment. Speaking of which, I called a coin out of the DeFi category on this week's blockchain bets. I stand by it for the month of January. I also stand by it long term. Thorchain is an absolute steal at $7.13. It is. There's no other way of looking at it. I happen to completely agree with you, Chris. I think sushi is an absolute steal right now. And frankly, it's been neglected like you wouldn't believe. It's that stepchild that you Harry Potter under the stairs. That's what we're talking about with sushi right now. Okay? There's a proposal out right now for um, Daniela Sesta, who you may have seen in our um, year-end Cryptocurrent Live Awards video that we did. Um, we had him up for Person of the Year. He is currently proposed to be the person who's going to take over the vision and the strategy for SushiSwap going forward because the team has completely, you know, dropped the ball. That, I believe, is going to go through. So getting in at a really solid entry point for Sushi may be the biggest move of this cycle if we're looking at it from an abject point of view, long-term, rest of year. I also like to look at stuff like Condex Finance and Curve. These two are tied. They are related. I'm not an expert in them. From every other expert that I've talked to about it, they cannot say enough about them. Do your own research on that one for sure. Osmosis is, in my opinion, going too fast. If you're in osmosis, please consider taking profits because it is the official exchange of the Cosmos Network. Beautiful project, beautiful network, beautiful overall vision. It scares me that it's up 53% across the last seven days because that looks like something that is going to end up being just like one whale pulling their liquidity and all of a sudden everybody's screwed. Um, Fain caution there. The last one that I'll speak to in DeFi that I would be looking at um, is outside of this list, and that's Wonderland Time. Um, I really do genuinely believe in that program. They just today announced that their DAO has locked in its very first investment in an outside project, which is going to give anybody that holds time or wrapped time access to this ICO, basically. Very interesting stuff. They're approaching a reserve currency from a completely novel perspective, and it works together with um, Spell Token and Magic Internet Money and eventually Sushi. Very worth looking at. Uh, but as we carry this ball forward into our next category of non-fungible tokens, I want to stress this right now. Just because the rest of the market is going down does not mean the entire market is screwed, okay? 
when the rest of the market is going down, oftentimes investors get bored and they want to go play. They want to go find the next piece of money that they can you know, earn. And right now that's happening in, NFT, in NFTs. Not necessarily the coins, but in actual NFTs. A lot of money is being traded in NFTs right now. You should keep your eye on that world. Big drop coming tomorrow. Illuminati NFT is releasing and revealing tomorrow night at 6, 17 p.m. Eastern time, I believe. That, in my opinion, has the potential to be one of the biggest projects of the year. Worth looking at, worth tuning in tomorrow morning because we have the head of the Illuminati, the Illuminati NFT project, Alex Taub, sitting down with Richard on our morning interview tomorrow. That is going to be an amazing, highly insightful segment. I really recommend that you subscribe right now so you can get notified as soon as it drops. But as I look down this list, Chris, I see a ton of projects that I would love to get an entry point in. What do you see that you think is interesting? Well, Sandbox, obviously, out of all the metaverse plays, I think the Sandbox is by far the most developed right now. I think it's on its way. But for it to be down 11% in the last seven days, it makes sense to me why it's down. But I also think that makes it just a better buying opportunity. I think owning Sandbox is going to be incredibly lucrative in a few years' time. But, of course, that's a few years' time, so it depends on your time horizon. If you can buy a bunch now and just hold it, that will be one of the best buys you could ever make. Not financial advice, but I, if you do the research, you'll probably come to the same conclusion I just did. But if you're looking for something more short-term, I wouldn't go sandbox. I would look maybe more at something like an ENS because Ethereum name service has been doing incredible things since it launched in like August, right, Steve? Yeah, um, it, it launched in September, but yeah. Um, yeah, and then... Oh, no, sorry, it launched in October. It was later in the year than that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, but yeah, th those are the two off the top. I mean, Audius is one that we talked about on one of our live streams months ago. It's a really interesting project had some big news, but hasn't really done much since. So to me, it's falling in value actually kind of makes sense. But if you're interested in, you know, kind of digital media, entertainment, all that kind of stuff, take a look at Audius because what they're doing actually is very cool. It just hasn't really hit its stride yet. Yeah, one of the things you need to keep in mind when you're doing your research is if a program is already, sorry, if a project already has a live product, that is a really good indicator that they're going to be here a while. Audius is attempting to basically be the decentralized Spotify. I love the platform. I have messed around with it. It is real. I would absolutely consider entering Audius at this stage of the game because it has been up as high as $3. Okay, so you're talking about a more than a 50% retracement from all-time high. You're right. ENS has been brutalized since its last run up. I think it made it back up to $90. Um, I would be looking at that and adding more um, to my stack because I still hold a sizable bag of ENS. But I think per your thesis at the very beginning saying that like you think the market has some additional moves down from here, I think the NFT tokens in particular are going to be very, very affected when that next move happens. So do not go making moves just because you have two analysts here making calls. Do your research. Take the time. 
I personally believe that Illuvium is completely undervalued right now and like will absolutely end up being one of the biggest games in all of metaverse gaming in the next two years. Um, I am so sold on Illuvium at this stage of the game that it's just not fair. Um, I think that, yeah, the Sandbox and Decentraland are both great metaverse projects, but even Illuvium is rolling out land sales shortly. The second that that happens, they're going to start treating Illuvium as its own independent metaverse. Um, they probably shouldn't, but they will. And to me, the second they enter the metaverse discussion, it's going to shoot them through the roof even higher. Um, but what I see here, only one last thing really does stand true to me, and that's Engine. Engine, for those that don't know, is effectively the, in the analogy of when you had the gold rush, you had the people selling picks and axes and picks and um, wheelbarrows for the, you know, the harvesting gold. They're the distributor of picks and axes in the gaming space. They have all the tools to provide game developers and decentralized gaming platforms with the tech that they need to roll out good games. I'd be looking at Engine for sure, and I would definitely look at their sister platform, Affinity, which just secured its own Polkadot parachain in the last couple of weeks. As we move on, there are going to be two pages of Metaverse here, Chris. So we have blue chips and we have DGEN plays. Realistically, everything in the world of Metaverse right now is a DGEN play, right? Because yeah. everything is so fresh, it's so new, and these market caps can move like multiples very quickly. I have one on this list in the blue chip outside of, you know, what we've already talked about with Alluvium and some of these others like Sandbox, Decentraland, that really stick out to me. I'll pass it off to you then because the only one on this list I would even consider really besides Alluvium would be Sandbox. Okay. Oh, um, and UFO, unless that's what you were going to say. So I like UFO. I just don't see it as a metaverse coin, so I kind of discount it. Okay, so I was thinking more general gaming, but go ahead. So there, actually, I would say technically there's two. Um, I really like Vulcan Forged at this price. Um, they had an exploit a week and a half, two weeks ago that totally tanked their price. And it is just such a great, great project. They're basically a gaming studio that's developing a number of different games for the metaverse. Really, really like studio plays. I think that they're going to go a very far way. And if you want an indicator that is similar to Vulcan Forged, that operates a very similar um, platform, it's Gala Games. And Gala Games ran like crazy at the end of last year. Perfect example. Were they the uh, ones behind uh, Fate and Arena? I think that Fate and Arena was Gala Games. Okay. Because I, I remember when we were covering that on one of the streams and we were talking about Fate and Arena when they made their big announcement. It was like number one on the App Store. And I vaguely remember Gala Games being included in that conversation. They were. Um, the other one that I will say right now has gotten some recent play between a couple of the different influencers out there. But because of the recent drop, like it's just tanked. I love RMRK at this price. I really do. They're trying to basically provide a Lego approach to metaverse gaming um, and providing in an, its own ways like picks and shovels. So I really like RMRK, but if we're looking at the real DGEN stuff like outside of the top 277, there are a couple that are in here that we've talked about on the channel. Avigachi is one. 
Avigachi has pulled back significantly. And if you look at the trends on their chart, it's mirroring what it did back in like September. Um, I would be astonished if it just continues to slide. There are two others on this list that I wanted to point out to you that you should do some research on. Number 457. Eternity is one of them. <laughs> Number 457, you're absolutely right. Um, I think Eternity is being disrespected. They got as high as $75 early on, like following their ICO. They have some really incredible stuff coming. Like fundamentally speaking, based on what they actually have developed and what they're rolling out and what they're selling, they are an absolute mammoth in this space that deserves a lot more respect than 457. Oh, yeah. See, I would say, if anything, Eternity in theory pre-ICO and just after its ICO was less attractive since its launch when it has announced all these major partnerships working with top celebrities to release their NFTs. It is shocking to me that after all of that, Eternity has tanked so much. Because Did you, did you see who they just released? No. Bruce well, Lee. That's crazy. I definitely did not see that. It's really freaking cool. Um, I, know, yeah, so I know they partnered with another major soccer player um, recently because I saw something about it. Uh, it was Luis Suarez. Okay, that that would be it. Yep, so a lot to be considered there. Again, guys, like on the dip, you want to be looking at these. I would definitely be considering the fact that it may dip further. Um, Red Fox Labs, another great play. Aurori, I've heard a ton of people talking about Aurori. I, like, that's one of the projects that I need to do a lot more research into. But Red Fox Labs has a stellar team behind it. They've done a really good job um, in the space and developing games. I think they're like a, a smaller... Um, version of Vulcan Forged. So be considering that. And the last two categories that we're going to look at, Chris, are Polkadot interoperability plays um, and Cosmos interoperability. I don't want to spend too much time here because, again, we have a ton that we've covered here for you guys, and we've given you guys a lot to add to your shopping list to do some research on. Um, run down the list. Don't give rationale. Just point some stuff out because, again, interoperability is the future. Uh, Ocean Protocol, because I've heard Steve talk about it before, and Kilt Protocol, because they're doing something really interesting with privacy tokens, and they also were on the podcast. So go check them out, because a lot of people actually commented on that video saying how interesting it was and how much they loved it. That's unusual on YouTube. Usually it's just bots. Yeah. Um, when you look at the market caps, if you're really looking for multiplier plays, continue to watch Bitcoin and the larger market cap coins fall down and if you can scoop up a couple of these projects that are sub like 150 million dollars in market cap they're typically the plays that have the highest multiple um and for me affinity is the insanely undervalued one on this list affinity is going to be the nft ecosystem of the multiverse and the metaverse and the multi-metaverse going into the future i really like affinity especially at that price point because it's getting crushed right now I will be adding more affinity to my bag because I do hold it, full disclosure. Moon River, phenomenal project. They've not yet rolled out the Polkadot equivalent of it. Moon River's operating on the Kusama ecosystem. Um, you heard Ocean Protocol earlier on cryptocurrency interviews from 20, early in 2021 where Richard sat down with Bruce Pawn. Phenomenal interview. Re recommend going back and listening to that. They're doing really cool stuff as well. Chris, you personally need to go look at Energy Web Token. Okay. From from what I understand about what you like to invest in, 
EWT is worth your attention. They apparently have some connections to much bigger financial institutions nice. and are trying to basically revolutionize, revolutionize the way that um, our energy grids work. Pretty interesting stuff. Um, but in Cosmos in particular, because again, I, I don't mean to speed through this, guys, but this is a ton that we've given you tonight. And we're also coming up on our hour, which we typically like to make sure we're cut off by an hour. On the Cosmos interoperability list, seriously do your diligence on this. Cosmos is going to be a massive player and they've been underappreciated so far, but they've been developing a ton in the background with their um, inner, inner blockchain. Um, what is it called? It's the IBC protocol. I can't remember what the C is. Anyway, they're doing a ton on the chain. I would definitely recommend looking at Osmosis, which we've talked about already. ThorChain we've talked about. Again, back to blockchain bets on Tuesday. Richard called Kadena. Another Cosmos project. I really like what Secret Proto Protocol is doing. They're doing a lot within the NFT space and creating a lot of really interesting um, marketing compelling uh, material within the decentralized space there. Last but not least, I really love Akash. I think Akash is doing some stuff with decentralized computing that nobody else is doing. Um, very worth looking at. Do you have any on, those, on this list that have your attention? Uh, yeah, not really, but... I do want to just point out one great thing about Cosmos is if you want to go buy it, buy it through Coinbase because literally just holding it on Coinbase gives you a 5% APY in Cosmos. They will pay you out directly in Cosmos. So that is absolutely, A, like Steve was saying, Cosmos is going to be here to stay. It's doing a lot of really cool things. There's a lot of great applications for it but it's also a good financial play based on just how it's performed in the last year. So if you have kind of a watch or, you know, kind of a watch and wait mentality, buy some Cosmos and just hold it. It doesn't yeah. hurt you. You get paid out and, you know, end of the day, maybe it goes down, but you'll still actually won't be as hurt if you had bought it somewhere else and done nothing with it. Yeah. Again, I would be looking for a $23 entry point on Cosmos. I think it's going to absolutely retrace to there because it's been on an absolute tear lately but it will bounce off 23, pretty confident of that. The one thing I will say, and this goes off of what Chris just said with staking, I know we're running long to those of you that are you know, joining us for the entire show. This one's for you. If you like really, really significant alpha, this is one of the most underappreciated parts about Cosmos. They have what's called the Cosmos Hub. The way Cosmos Hub works is you go stake your Cosmos that you purchased at Coinbase in your Cosmos wallet in the Cosmos hub to support and secure the network, you're going to continue to be airdropped tokens that are launched off the Cosmos hub over time. So you're not just going to get the staked um, value and um, APY that you would in just typical return of Cosmos. You're going to get these airdrops as well. And some of these platforms are going to go on to be massive, massive influences within Cosmos's overall ecosystem. Worth keeping in mind, I absolutely believe in Cosmos going forward. I love their vision. I also think they're probably going to do something to overhaul their tokenomics in the next six to eight months based on what I hear from some other people that I can't actually talk about because they asked me to keep them anonymous. That's me reminding myself to not mess up on the middle of the stream. Anyway, that is going to wrap up the shopping list, right? There are a ton of different projects out there, guys, that are just absolutely hammered right now based on what's going on in the market with all this turmoil. Do not get shaken out 
by the corporate and by the institutional hands. They will continue to try to shake you out by creating turbulence in the market. It's not worth paying attention to to that degree. Be looking at all of the things that we just talked about. Consider some entry points. Do some research. And you will be on your way to making some more money in crypto. Now, that is going to do it for us here at Cryptocurrent Live for this week's edition. Please, again, do us a favor. If you enjoyed this show, let us know in the comments. Leave us a message in chat. We'd love to hear from you because we want to continue to improve this show for you on a weekly basis. Also, if you do want to re, um, join us again on Tuesday and Thursday next week at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back, and we would love to continue to educate you on what is going on in crypto right as it's happening. We have big interviews on the channel this week from Richard. On Monday, he sat down with the head of the Shebangers NFT project, uh, which is Peter Hurley. He's a portrait photographer who's just launched this massive metaverse community. And then tomorrow, as I said, we're absolutely fortunate to be sitting down with Alex Taub from Illuminati NFT. We don't always cover just NFT projects on here. That just happened to be how it worked out this week. But we will be back again in the near future. Chris, do you have any parting words for our audience before we sign this one and call it a day? That's going to be it for me, guys. I'll see y'all on Wednesday, actually, for another Crypto Basics with Chris K. Awesome. <laughs> guys, do us a favor. Make sure that you stick around, keep educating yourselves, push the boundaries, and stay cryptocurrent. We'll see you next time.